everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number six. I'm still your host, Damian Ross, and this has really been a crazy week for us as we launched the Rootless Living magazine. On January 7th, everyone received a digital copy in their email box, and but don't worry, if you have not signed up yet, you still can. Just head over to rootlessliving.com, you give your first name and an email address, and you are subscribed. It's that simple. Now, in today's episode, I talk with Tom Frum, who is an entrepreneur and the founder of Venture Wipes. This was just overall a great conversation about someone that's gone full-time in an RV with his family and then actually launched and started a business while on the road. I don't want to get too much more into it, so let's just jump into today's episode. All right, so I want to welcome Tom to the show. Tom, how are you? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm really, really good. Hey, so really, let's start off with where are you in the, in the world right now? I am in Kissimmee, Florida. Oh, wow. Nice, so you... warm, and sunny, and beautiful. Where exactly is that in Florida? That is um, for around about, uh, <clears throat> I think I'm about five miles from Disney World. Oh, nice. That's, everybody seems to know where Disney World is. Right, right. So I'm sitting in Alabama. It's about 49 degrees currently right now. What's your weather like right now? Right now it says uh, mid-70s, 75, go. 76. Folks, this is why people go to Florida when it starts to get cold. And, and, and this is cold for us today. <laughs> Don't doubt. That's where you, you find out who's from Arizona because they're, they're wearing a, a beanie and a sweater and they're walking around and you're like, oh, it's 75, you're from Arizona. Right, exactly. <laughs> so do you consider yourself a, a full-timer or a part-time kind of a digital nomad? Uh, we do consider ourselves a full-timer, yes. Uh, mm -hmm. We've been uh, on the road now uh, for a little over three years. Nice. Um, yeah. What are you guys living and traveling in? Uh, we have a 43-foot uh, uh, fifth wheel. Um, it's got uh, two bedrooms, two baths, living room, kitchen. Um, you know, just a, just a, a small house on wheels. <laughs> Without a doubt. I always, that's something I battle with people when they're like, oh, you have an RV. Uh, it's, it's really a condo with a couple wheels behind it because that's really what it is. It's actually right. nicer than my right. old place. So do you but, still own a, a Bricks and Sticks or is it just uh, the, the fifth wheel? We do not. We own the, uh, we just have the fifth wheel. Um, the uh, funny story is, is, you know, I, I wanted to go full timing, man, probably five, six, seven years ago. And my wife kept saying, we got to sell the house. We got to sell the house and uh, first. And I got uh, frustrated with, uh, with that answer and convinced her. I said, well, what if I buy a used fifth wheel and we just go to Florida for the winter? And she said, okay. So uh, that's what we did. And the ironic part of it is, is uh, at the end of the winter, the house sold. So everything came together very quickly. You know, it's funny. I feel like the trend that I'm hearing now when it comes to people that are owning and thinking about going full-time, there's been a lot of advice to keep it and either rent it. It's weird to me because I would think, no, I'd want to be free and clear of that as well too. I'd want to know that I'm just focused on what's going on. Would you do anything different? Would you sell it still? Or would you, now looking back, think, well, you know, maybe we should have kept it and rented it out? Uh, for me, I would definitely still sell it. Um, you know, I, I'm the type of person that I can always go buy another house if, if I feel that that's uh, a direction that we want to head. But, uh, you know, to hold on to it and rent it out, you know, to me, I just, I foresee headaches. You know, the, the roof starts leaking, the toilet leaks, you know, the, um, what have you it's just uh headaches i don't i don't want to deal with to be honest with you 
Where was the home? Where were you originally from before you headed out? I was in central uh, central Pennsylvania, right outside of Harrisburg. Nice. It's a nice area, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Now, from the idea of wanting to go nomad to the actual going nomad, how much time was there? I know you you came up with kind of a smart little plan to almost trick the wife. I don't know if we want to go to record saying <laughs> that, but and I I have interviewed some other people that tricked by putting a time limit. We're only going to do it for six months, and then we'll be back. And it's you know they're four years into it. So how much time from like, I really want to do this to you actually hitting the road to Florida? I think we've, we've always been planning on it. You know, it was always a direction. I would say that there was probably about two years worth of, you know, looking at RVs, trying to figure out what the right one was for us, uh, trying to figure out how we can do it, where we would go. Um, So I would say Leading up to it, there was probably a good two years worth of that. We thought that we had uh, things uh, uh, figured out where we actually even, I sold my pickup truck. We bought a uh, a Jeep Grand Cherokee and we were going to get a class A motorhome. We had it picked out. We had it ready. You know, as soon as the house sold, you know, we knew what proceeds we could go and put on the, uh, the class a, and then we, we received, uh, in November, we received a, a knock on the door that, uh, uh, from another, uh, a, a friend of a friend basically, uh, saying, Hey, I'm pregnant in, next month. Will you adopt my daughter? And we ended up doing that, which, uh, ironically, uh, you know, I call her, uh, I call her my class a, because at that point in time, it took the, uh, the idea and the thought of buying a class A and threw it out the window. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, to, to travel around with a, a baby uh, and a class A just uh, uh, wasn't going to work. So that's why we ended up choosing a, a, a two-bedroom uh, fifth wheel so that, you know, her and my other daughter have their own bedroom, their own space, and, and we have ours. I think it's really important for listeners because this is a conversation that I've actually talked about in quite a few of the podcasts already is this idea of what's better, class A or a fifth wheel. And even I, I hear like, you know, even my friends, Heath and Alyssa, you know, they have a brand new baby and they're on the road in a class A. It really is different for everyone. There really yeah. isn't like some sort of formula you can use. You really shouldn't even ask people, what do you think I should do? As opposed to, you know, Tom, why did that make sense for you? And then you can break down why you chose and I can use that information. But it's a, it's a really kind of double-edged sword question. Should I get this versus that? without really understanding a lot of the pros and cons. So that's interesting that you end up, I, and I'm the same way. I was all about a class A. Uh, I'm almost six foot seven. The first class A I could get into that I could afford, I was like, okay, I can't do a class A. I'm too big for these. <laughs> you know, anything with a 10 foot ceiling is like $300,000. So it was way out of right. my price point. Is it the same fifth wheel that you end up buying and heading out or have you gone through different rigs? Uh, we're on our third one now. So. At, at third in three years? Yes. yes. Is that just because of... I mean, maintenance issues or is it, you know, just. Uh, so, so the original one that we bought to go to, to Florida was, was a used fifth wheel. Mm-hmm. So we knew that we couldn't afford a new one until after we sold the house. So after we sold the house, we ended up uh, buying a brand new one. Um, and the unfortunate part is, is that turned out to be a lemon. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the manufacturer uh, stepped up to the plate and, you know, said to us that, uh, hey, we've recognized all the problems that you have and uh, go pick out another one. So that's what got us to the third one we have now. Well, that was actually, that has a good ending because a lot of times they don't end that way. I mean, our rigs, they're not made for full timing. And a lot of times it just, 
it really puts an abuse that these things weren't really obviously designed for. That's yes. good that they followed through. But it sounds like it wasn't normal wear and tear issues. It sounds like it was something way and beyond for you to have that many issues in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we had, uh, we had repairs scheduled to go to the factory and I think they got out their calculators and added up all of the costs that it was going to cost them to do the repairs. And they figured it was probably cheaper for them to just give me one. So that's really cool. Now, what was your life like before? What were you doing for a living? Um, just, you know, like what kind of changes you had to make to hit the road? What did your life look like pre fifth wheel and hitting the road? So I've always worked, uh, remotely, but I've worked remotely in my home office at, at home. Um, I've done that for, you know, probably 20 years. So that part of it didn't really change. I have a degree in computer science. Uh, I was a manager for a software company doing healthcare IT development. You know, initially, whenever we started out, uh, nothing really changed other than, you know, I was uh, the location of where I was working. I wasn't in my home anymore. I was taking conference calls either in the RV or outside at the picnic table or inside my truck or, you know, wherever I needed to uh, find a quiet space. Yeah. It sounds like it's basically the same. Did you have any clients that had an issue with you going on the road at all? I mean, it's funny that I've heard that even though they never met really in person, it was always remote, but it was different. Like, you know, oh, I won't be in one place. <laughs> I'll be moving right. around. Did you have any client issues with that? I'm not sure that my employer was 100% comfortable about it. I mean, they allowed it, but they, they just, you know, this is a whole new world um, to somebody who, you know, in corporate America, you know, goes into an office every day. It was kind of uneasy. I never felt like I was fully accepted in what I was doing, but I wasn't told no either. You know, it was just kind of, uh, I guess you could say guilt trip. I, I dealt with the same thing. So you weren't alone. I, I, they knew when I got hired that I wanted to move to Texas. And that was the honest truth. I didn't lie to them. But then somewhere between wanting to move to Texas and starting this job that I had at the time, I decided maybe it's not Texas, you know, and what a great way to kind of figure out where I want to move. I'll get an RV and travel. I actually, I just recorded a video today that I'm not camping and I'm not on vacation. Right. That's the video because that's what I dealt with even with my old boss was that I, it's like I'm on vacation. And I was like, wait, that's like telling people that live in Hawaii. It's like they're on vacation. Right. That's not true at all. Like, right. But one thing I have heard, and I want to hear your opinion, do you feel like whether working for someone else or working for yourself, are you more or less focused with this lifestyle in regards to work? I'm a very work focused individual. So, you know, I'm still working. I'm probably working more hours now than what I was working for an employer, but, but not by much. You know, I was still working 70, 80 hours a week. You know, my phone rings, I answer sends me an email, I answer. I'm not the type of person to just say, you know, hey, it's five o'clock, I'm done. I think that's, that's the answer I'm looking for in a way. I didn't want to like steer you in a different way. I feel like employers don't understand. I think they can get a higher quality employee that's living this lifestyle. Right. And I think, you know, we're not dealing with traffic or parking or all the errands you have to run or figuring out if I can go to this party after work on Thursday, you know, the things that everyone else that's living in a bricks and stick neighborhood have to deal with. And I just, I feel like for me and a lot of other people that I've been talking to, they just feel like they've been a lot more focused when it comes to work because of this lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. Is this lifestyle costing you more or less than bricks and sticks now that you've been doing it? For um, yeah, I, I would say it, it, it's definitely less. 
but as far as the expenses, they have just been allocated in different areas, you know, where obviously in a big brick and sticks environment, you know, my largest expense was the mortgage on my home. You know, now the largest expense that I have is fuel, but I can also regulate that by how often I travel and where I travel. And so good, good point. You could never regulate your mortgage though. No, no, you <laughs> it couldn't. was stuck no matter what. If sales were slow, you're still paying your mortgage. If sales are slow, hey, we don't have gas. We're staying here. Right? Yeah. Yes. I think that's an interesting aspect of this lifestyle. Well, that's good to hear. And it, it really is, you know, if you're listening and you're wondering if this life is going to cost you more or less, it really depends on where you're coming from. And I hope people understand that. And, you know, you can, there's plenty of creators and content creators that have put out their exact costs for whatever rig you're going to drive or want to do or family size someone has put out all the ABCs and what it costs, but it's just interesting sometimes to just ask people if it's less or more. I was trying to do a, if your old life cost you a hundred dollars, what does your new life cost you to like kind of do like a, a percentage? And it was just too hard to figure out. But I think for me, my old life cost me a hundred. And I think this cost me 20 to be honest with yeah. you. And, yeah. like, and that's, what's crazy. And I'm doing things I've never done before. Well, and I think the biggest thing for us is, you know, not only was, you know, is it a cost, but I think the biggest thing for us has been a quality of life. I would have to say that, you know, my marriage with my wife is a lot stronger now than what it was in the brick and sticks. You know, we can't hide from each other. Um, you know, we've, we've learned to, to live closer, you know, as a family. You know, my relationship with my daughters is a lot closer now than what it was uh, before. And, and even the stress level. You know, whenever, you know, living in a brick and sticks in, in Pennsylvania, I mean, this is the doom and gloom time of year, you know, where it's drowsy, and, you know, it's cloudy, it's overcast, it's cold. You know, I don't have that, you know, it's nice and sunny. And, and if I don't like the weather here, I, I go to, to where the weather is nice. Cost is definitely a perspective, but I think quality of life is, has been the biggest uh, factor for us. And like, really, how do you put a value on having a lifestyle that doesn't have those kind of side effects to it. You know, I'll, I'll be honest with you too, as a parent who, you know, single dad had four kids, they all went to public schools. I never would have homeschooled my kids, not because of anything other than the fact that after like third grade, I couldn't help them, but was that I guess I had a different percentage perception of homeschoolers. The kids that I've met on the road that are being homeschooled or road schooled, I've been blown away by that. Like, I'm like, this would have been a really cool thing to do with my kids as much as I would fear of pulling them out of schools and having that. It's just a different, they're experiencing something so different. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was one of the, the, the factors of us uh, doing this, you know, like I got, even when we were in the bricks and sticks, we still took a lot of vacations and the schools always frowned upon it. Well, well, your daughter's missing out. Yeah. But, you don't understand what she's experiencing that, you know, she'll never get. I think you nailed it with that. I think just even you bringing a little bit into the, just the mental space of what this lifestyle is like. I think a lot of people, you know, I mean, it, it is geography, no matter where you go, there you are in a way you, like you can't run from yourself. But I think the bringing up the marriage point of living in a fifth wheel, I, I feel like when I see people that are, that are couples living in 400 square feet, 500 square feet and backing up a fifth wheel. I'm like, no matter what later in the future, their marriage is going to be solid. If you can spend a couple <laughs> of years backing up a you know, fifth wheel passenger side, trying to back in and explain it to each other, you'll be fine. You're probably, your communication is probably a ton better now too. Oh yeah, absolutely. 
Well, let's get into the let's get into the money side of things. So, it sounded like you you were basically working for someone when you hit the road. Are you still doing that, or have things changed? I mean, obviously, I know one part of your life has changed, but let's get into just the what does that look like today, day in day out, in regards to uh, earning a living while on the road. No, I, I'm I'm no longer uh, working for that employer. Um, and to be honest with you, you know that was a a force. Uh, decision. It wasn't one that uh, I made. And, and I'm blessed by that because to be honest with you, if if it hadn't have been forced, uh, I probably still would be working for that employer and probably still wouldn't have had the, the opportunities that was given to me. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, uh, sitting around a campfire, just kind of talking, you know, brainstorming. And uh, the next thing you know, um, uh, Venture Wipes and the concept of Venture Wipes uh, came up. And, and started from there. And I think it was uh, about two months after those conversations began that uh, uh, I was laid off from my job. And uh, it was like, you know, it, here it is. I'm, I'm going all in um, and, uh, and I'm going to make this happen. Did you go straight from the job to Venture Wipes or was there something else you were doing as well? I was working remotely. Um, you know, for that uh, employer doing the uh, uh, IT development for... Uh, oh, no, I mean, like, after companies. after that ended, was there anything else or just between... It's just VentureWipes. You just transferred over to VentureWipes? Just transferred right over. Yeah. Nice. And have yeah. you had any experience in building a product and selling a product online? Was that in your background? No, but it was a passion of uh, something I always wanted to do. You know, you hear people uh, talk about... Uh, uh, selling on Amazon and hey, you know, let me try that. I guess you could say. So it's one thing, kind of uh, selling wholesale products on Amazon, reselling them, um, but it's another thing whenever you create your own product um, and then try and sell it on Amazon. Well, let's talk a little bit about what Venture Wipes is, just so you know people don't hear it and try to come up with their own idea. Let's explain to the listeners what Venture Wipes actually is. So Venture Wipes is a, uh, a body wipe. Uh, it's all natural ingredients, biodegradable. Uh, it's, a, it's a 12 by 12 wipe that's uh, nice, tough, and strong. Uh, it's great for the outdoors person, uh, the hiker, biker, uh, backpacker, camper, uh, what have you. Uh, basically an opportunity to kind of uh, give themselves a uh, shower. And then it's good and strong that even after you're done giving yourself a shower, uh, it's still left to be able to uh, wipe down your camping gear, your bike, or uh, what your pets, uh, your dogs, whatever else you have with you to, to kind of get them nice and clean uh, before you either jump in your car or uh, you know go back to your RV or tent. Is it reusable or is it disposable when you're done? It is not reusable, um, but it is uh, strong and durable. Like I said, that even after your use, that it's still pretty wet yet, that you can still uh, continue to use it until it dries out. Right. At full disclosure, I worked out a partnership with Mentor Wipes to help me with the Kickstarter campaign for a certain level. And some of the people that I've talked to that are going to receive a, a 10 pack have been really excited because they were like, one, they didn't know this kind of product existed that a lot of them obviously are either RVers or real campers or getting out and adventuring. But I had a, I had a guy that is a biker. He rides his bike to work 
and there's okay. no showers at the office. And he's super Perfect. excited about it because he was like, you know, he goes into the restroom, takes his shirt off and gets ready for work. And he's like, this is going to be so cool, Damien. Like after, if it really works the way I think it's going to work for me, I think they're going to have a customer for life. And I hadn't even thought about that where I was like, that makes total sense too. Yeah. You know, that that's one of the reasons, well, it's not that, that's one of my 500 reasons why I didn't ride a bike to work. I was trying to find all kinds, but now you've taken one away from me. But so t- let's talk about some of the challenges that's got to be because you're not buying an established company and changing the name. You don't have a history of knowing how to buy products and get them manufactured. Take me through a little bit of that process if you can, because that just sounds looking on the outside overwhelming like that. How do we do this? Yeah, I mean, definitely a, a challenge. I mean, it took a year. It took two years uh, from the point of, hey, here's a great idea to the point where we actually had it sitting in, the, in a warehouse ready to be sold. You know, just the, the, uh, the trademark alone took a year to put together. And, and the biggest challenge was is trying to find a manufacturer because everybody has the mindset of a baby wipe, you know, and that's typically what everybody uses is a baby wipe. And even from a manufacturer, you know, they wanted to manufacture a baby wipe and just stick a new label on it. Well, that's not what I wanted. You know, it took, it, it took a hard time trying to find a manufacturer that would actually do uh, what we needed it to do and then get it folded down to the compact size uh, that we have now. So, you know, an individual packet is the size of a credit card. You know, that sticks in your pocket, your purse, you know, the glove box of your car, uh, backpack, whatever, so that you always have an, a, a fresh one uh, to open up and use. And it doesn't take up a lot of space where, you know, uh, typically a baby wipe, you're taking it out of a dispenser that's fairly large. You know, the first one you pull is wet, but whenever you go back for the, the, the next couple, you know, they tend to dry out. And um, I think you're being really nice because you're saying baby wipe nobody uses one wipe. Let's be honest. You have to go through, no matter what the situation, you just want to clean your shoes. You're pulling three, four, five, six, seven of those things out to get that done. At least that's been my experience right. where I have never, in full disclosure, I've never used venture wipes, but in junior high, I believe we had something very similar to what you're talking about. We had, uh, I went to an old junior high and the showers would go out all the time back when junior hires would take shower. And they had these things that were basically, you know, a 10 by 10 kind of square that they would give you. And it had, it was moist, but as you used it, it dried up a little and then it became almost like a towel and like you were done and felt fresh and then just threw it away. So I can almost in my mind understand the quality of it, the durability of it and what it'll be able to do. But I really liked how you talked about that, like after you get yourself clean, it's still good enough to get your gear clean. And I'm just thinking Sedona and you know how red we got hiking around and how red our gear got walking around before you have to get in. Or if you're in the Carolinas and you're walking on the beach and you get all that tar, which is where yeah. the, the name Tar Heels comes from, fun fact, getting that all off before you get in your car is really great. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, to get them and use them as well too. And it's just interesting to see that you've been able to do this while on the road. Like that's what's great too. Yeah. And, and, and our team of social media folks, uh, graphic artists, sales reps, all of that, you know, most of them are all made up of uh, folks that do this as well. You know, our, our entire team is, is made up of uh, people that uh, RV full time. 
See, I think that's really important too. I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I've been in situations in and around businesses and I'll use campgrounds as an example or RV parks. I feel like a lot of the campgrounds and RV parks are being designed and built by people that don't camp or RV. When you get there and you're just like, why did they put this here? This should easily be over here. Why are these connections? This, You know what I mean? And once you're in the lifestyle, I think you can sell a better product and create a better product because you understand it, you're using it. And I don't know why. And I think it's really smart too. When you team up with people or bring people on, it's very smart to bring people up that are in this lifestyle as well too. They'll get it in a different way than, you know, someone in New York City that's like, yeah, Venture Watch should be great every time I got off the subway. <laughs> you know what I mean? It would be great to be able to use one. But it yes. is a different kind of aspect and understanding it. Um, yep. Any real big like uh, challenges getting it started? or Because I feel like, and, and you can definitely correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like when people try to create actual products that they're going to sell, I feel like it has to go through a few renditions before they get it right. And that's really costly. Is there anything like that for you guys? I mean, it sounds like there's a little bit of hiccup trying to find someone that understood what you wanted and build what you want, not just what they were set up to build, but anything else like that, that was kind of a headache or a hassle? Yeah. I mean, definitely challenge in, in getting the right material, you know, getting a biodegradable material, uh, getting uh, the right uh, formula, you know, to where it is an all natural formula, but yet doesn't leave you uh, sell, smelling, you know, like uh, fragrance. Hmm. You know, our our wipes have little to no smell. You know, where uh, you know, obviously, a baby wipe is going to leave you smelling like a baby. It's going to leave right. you feeling like a baby. Um, there's no alcohol in it, you know, so it doesn't dry you out. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's all of those things that you know, kind of took. Um, that's why it took two years, you know, right. to to get it to a product. Uh, that uh, we knew that we could stand behind and support, and uh, and it was exactly what we envisioned. That's awesome. How has been the sales, the response? How's that going for you? It, that is going very well. I mean, every every day, every month, uh, every quarter is uh, positive in the right direction. And, and I think you nailed it before about uh, talking to the guy that you know rides his bike to work and and needs you know venture wipes to clean himself up before he goes into work. You know, the hardest part is just getting the word out, you know, uh, getting the, uh, you know, the people to, to, to realize what it is. Um, because a lot of people just, you know, as soon as you say, Oh, it's a body wipe, you know, they have in their heads, Oh, it's just a, you know, it's just a baby wipe, but you open it up and get them to touch and feel and, and actually wipe themselves down. They're like, Oh, wow, this is different. Yeah. So, uh, so that's been our biggest challenge is just getting the word out. But, uh, every day there's, uh, new, new people, uh, learning about it, um, bringing on, uh, new retailers, uh, new distributors. Um, you know, every, uh, every day has been positive in the right direction. So how is it getting handled? I mean, obviously you're not, you know, with a toy hauler garage and you've got a bunch of boxes in the back. How is it getting all distributed and handled for you when someone's purchasing them? So we have a uh, distributor uh, in Tampa, Florida uh, that handles all of that. So it's just a simple uh, email or phone call to them telling them uh, where to send it. Um, we're also on uh, Amazon, Amazon Prime. Um, that's probably the easiest way. Uh, you know, we have uh, several, um, several skids of venture wipes sitting in their, their warehouse uh, ready to be shipped out. Um, 
and then uh you know i i i tend to keep a couple of cases with me you know on the road you know you um I, i'm in a perfect environment you know right you, you see your uh your neighbor uh you know, pulling up with his RV and it's 80 degrees out and he's all sweaty, you know, trying to get uh, uh, everything set up and you go over and you hand it to him and, you know, not only is he appreciative of it, but then he uh, gets a chance and like, oh, wow, I never heard of this. It, it's been great in that, uh, that aspect. Look at that, 2019 and we're still doing face-to-face -face marketing. Who knew? <laughs> that is the, you know, that, in my opinion, that has been the best marketing. Oh, for sure. I mean, I'm making a joke in the sense that I yeah. think people like, trust me, I'm, you know, I'm out selling magazine ads now and people are like, nobody reads a magazine anymore. I'm like, that's absolutely not true at all. Everyone thinks the new hot button is a Facebook ad or an Instagram ad. And, you know, I, today it was funny, right before we talked, I got in my Instagram feed, basically baby pull-ups. And I thought, wow, what a waste of money. I, I don't have, you, you would be better to put adult pull-ups. I'm closer to that age than I am to having kids. And I was like, there's nothing like just getting out in the field and handing it off and just doing it as a good gesture, regardless if he ever visits the website, goes to Amazon and buys it. It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, you're just helping someone out. But what a great way to build a market. And, you know, and also are you probably getting a lot of feedback too. It's just not biased feedback. People are trying it and they'll tell you what they like and don't like and how it works or, and that's got to be really helpful. Yeah, I, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, just, just over the weekend, I met somebody and, and uh, you know, shared it with them. And, you know, they were telling me the story about their mother who is, uh, you know, basically wheelchair bound, you know, cannot get into a shower. And, and she was like, this is awesome. I'm going to give this to my mother. I think this will be perfect for her to, you know, clean herself up every day because she can't get into a shower. Yeah, I was thinking when I thought when I first heard of you guys and thought, you know, I definitely would be using this a lot in my boondocking life, you know, in the sense that when I'm really trying to reserve water for showers, how nice to just be able to, you know, quickly kind of just, you know, get a good, fresh, kind of clean feeling. I mean, it, I don't think anyone is trying to say it's replacing a shower, but it's definitely giving you the possibility to get back to a clean feeling when you're in a situation where a shower is not available. So that to me right. is really powerful and smart. Like I'm like, these guys did it. They hit a great market, great segment, especially living in the life to figure out a product that's in and around the lifestyle and be able to sell it and promote it and have it be a really good product that people need. It's not, you know, a one hit wonder. And it's, I, I like, I like any business where, you know, your customers are going to come back and forth. I mean, to the extent of, you know, my tire pads, once I buy my tire pads, I'm done. You know, yeah. maybe every 10, 15 years, I might need some new ones or if they get lost or stolen. And now they got to go out and find a whole new client the next day. I love businesses where it's the clients coming back over and over, which is really great. So that's got to be cool. Let me see what else. So knowing what you know now, is there anything you would have done different in regards to building this brand? Or has it been like complete smooth sailing? It's been fantastic. I wouldn't have changed the thing. Or is there something that if someone's trying to start a product? What's the one thing that you wish you could do different starting a product? Probably the biggest thing is, is just level setting my expectations. You know, I, I'm a very aggressive type person um, and go, go, go. So probably just, you know, level setting my expectations and understanding uh, more of the sales cycle and that introducing a new product and, and the time that it takes uh, not only to develop the product, but also to get the awareness and to get the word out. That's probably been the biggest challenge. 
because obviously I can't be at every place all over the, the world, you know, selling and sharing the product. Although, you know, whenever I try to lay down to sleep at night, that's where I want to be. You know, that that's probably been the biggest challenge is just level setting uh, expectations um, and growth. No doubt. And I'm not speaking for Tom. Tom didn't ask me to say this. If you're listening to this and you're in this lifestyle and you have the ability to reach people, I would say buy Venture Wipes, use Venture Wipes, and then talk about it. Because at the end of the day, it's like we are a really small niche community. And it's really great that when one of us figures out a product that we all kind of either really need, but also could really just use, it's fun for us to talk about. I think there's this idea nowadays that everything has to be a, some sort of paid endorsement or paid ambassador. And I feel like, no, there are certain things in products when you hear someone that's growing this business, if their struggle is getting the word out, help them get the word out. Because I guarantee, I'm not, not that I'm a big karma guy, but I guarantee later in life when you want to get the word out, like I, I've been getting the word out about people's stuff. And then when I had where I'm like, hey, guys, I'm launching this. Help me get the word out. It came in droves. Like people helped me like tremendously. And so I, I encourage people to do that. I know Tom didn't ask me to say that or plug it in any way. But I feel like we are a really small niche community, especially full-time RVers. But it definitely sounds like Venture Wipes has all different types of segments. I mean, I'm just in my head as a business guy. I'm thinking surfers, you know, just anything really, you know, kids. I, I would think as a parent after soccer match, they all want to go out and eat. Like instead of going home, why not clean them off really quick? So there's so many uses for this product, which is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So real quick, going back to the, the RV lifestyle, one of the things I like to do at the end of a show is talk about a high or a low. I don't think I've ever talked about the reason that I do this is that I would sit down with my kids at the table and say, okay, what was a high today? What was a low today? And I remember doing it. I like it. I like doing it with my guests too, in the sense that it just brings a real sense of reality to kind of a life. And it lets people know, it let the kids know that they're all kind of dealing with some of the same stuff. It lets a lot of us that are living this life know that we're dealing with a lot of the same stuff. What's been a low on this venture in regards to living a digital nomad lifestyle? What's one that you can point out and remember and, and let people know about? Yeah, I think the biggest low um, has been getting uh, RV repairs made. Mm. You know, in a, in a bricks and stick, you know, if, if your roof needs replaced, obviously the roofer comes to you, he works on the roof, you know, over the next couple of days or week, um, and he repairs your roof. If I need a newer roof, new roof, which I did in my previous RV, it had to sit there for two to three weeks, which leaves me homeless. So that, that's probably been the biggest uh, challenge uh, or the biggest low, I guess you could say, is, is just getting you know, RV repairs made, you know, since then I've, I've learned unless I really have to take it to a dealer to get repairs done. I, I won't. Um, I found that, uh, you know, the RV mobile techs, uh, that come to you are a lot better, uh, do much better quality and service, uh, than taking to a, uh, a factory or a dealer. Yeah. And I feel like they don't, I don't want to say that a factory dealer is stalling, but I feel like, you know, they're, they're trying to get the work done so they can get paid and they don't want to be coming back to the campground once or twice. But I will say this because you're in a fifth wheel and I obviously am in a fifth wheel. The great thing about a fifth wheel is if we ever have engine issues, we don't lose our home. Right. And that's been really great. And something I didn't know is a newbie. And I like to just, every once in a while, these newbie tips come up. The fact that we can take our trucks into a dealership, Uber back, you can actually sometimes get rides back from people to campground. Everyone understands this and it's in the shop for two days, but you still have your home in a class A situation. 
a lot of times when you take it to someone that can work on a class A engine, uh, you're without a home. You're in a motel for a couple of days or something to that effect or staying with friends. So what's yeah, been and, a, oh, and, sorry. And, and, and in this community, I mean, there's, there's tons of people that are willing to help you, you know, an, an example of that is, you know, we had some close friends that we were traveling with and uh, their truck uh, literally blew up in uh, North Dakota. We towed them uh, basically doing, you know, where we would tow ours one day uh, about 300 miles and then go back and get their RV um, and tow it, through, you know, tow it to the campground that we are. We did that all the way from North Dakota all the way to, uh, to, I think it was Kentucky. Wow. So, no, you are right, though. This lifestyle, I always make a joke that if you're at a campground and you can't meet people, take a tire off your RV. Right. And watch what happens. Everyone yeah. comes out, wants to help, wants to ask questions. I had to replace leaf springs and I was like, oh my gosh, I, you know, so really as a marketing employee, if you ever want to get really greasy, take off a tire, have everyone come by and give everyone <laughs> venture wipes. That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what's been a high though? I mean, well, I mean, obviously for this person that you helped out with driving their rig across, right? That's a high for them. They'll probably always remember that. And that's something that will never leave them. But for you personally, what's been a high in this lifestyle? I can't like pinpoint a single high. I mean, every day is a high. You know, every day is, you know, I feel lucky. I feel very blessed um, to be able to live this lifestyle, you know, and, and I, and I feel sorry for those that can't get out of the box and, and, and feel like they can't do this. So, you know, for me, I, I would say that the high is just, you know, every day being able to, to live with, with having the opportunity to see new things, new adventures, I think there was a statistic that I seen the other day that said that, you know, most people in their lifetime will only get a chance to see uh, roughly eight states. You know, my wife and I have seen all 50. The only state that my children haven't seen yet is Alaska. And, and that's our plan to take them there this, uh, this summer. Yeah. And it's going to be like we talked about earlier, you can't really put a price tag on this lifestyle, it really is something like, I hate to use the term matrix, like you're getting out of the matrix, but it's it's like living a different life within a life in a way. Like there's all these other people that you see, you know, and I'll speak for me specifically, traffic every day, looking for yeah. parking, waiting in lines, leaving my house at five if I wanted to eat at 7.15, rarely went on kayaking or hiking because I was just exhausted, you know, from the week of just doing all that kind of running around. And it's not to say there are days where I don't leave my rig. There are days where I stay in my rig all day, like anybody else that works from home and runs an errand or two. But the lifestyle is just completely different, way far and beyond what I can put on Instagram and, and make it look like it's the perfect life. It's just a better life for me, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, even just, you know, the time spent mowing your lawn. Oh, you yeah. Know? Do you miss that stuff though every once in a while? Like it's funny, I miss watering grass every once in a while. There is something really calming and just I, like like that I kind of miss, but you're right. I don't, like I've helped on farms where someone's like, they've got one of those zero churns and I'm like, I want to do that. And I'm doing it for like an hour or two if I'm staying on someone's property. And after that, I'm like, I'm glad I don't have to do this every weekend. I'm glad I'm just doing it for, for fun right now because I've never driven one of these things as a city kid. But do you miss any of the, the just that kind of stuff at all? I, I don't. I don't. I, I mean, the only thing that I, I probably say that I miss is I miss my garage, you know, and, and being able to go out and, you know, teeter around and uh, what have you. You know, I, I don't have the tools with me that I had in my garage, you know, so if there's something that breaks down or, 
you know, you think, oh man, I can fix that. Oh, I don't have those tools anymore, you know? Yeah, no, um, I hear you. Yeah, I miss my garage too, to be honest with you. That's funny. Hey, Tom, you've been awesome to hang out and talk with today and, and just to learn more about just you and then obviously the, the product you built and out selling. And where, where can people find Venture Wipes? I want to make sure people know where to go. Yeah, you can definitely find Venture Wipes on our website at venturewipes.com or uh, probably the best and the easiest way is uh, through Amazon. It's on Amazon Prime. So uh, you can go out there and order it. Appreciate if you uh, leave us a review and uh, you get it in less than two days. That's amazing. And uh, VentureWipes has all the social channels as well too. People can find it on Facebook, Instagram if they need to. Yes, yes, yes. We're on uh, Facebook and Instagram. You know, and, and to point out too, with uh, VentureWipes, there are some retailers as well that we're in as well. Uh, we're trying to get the word out and trying to get it into... Uh, more and more retail shops. So, you know, don't be surprised if you go into your local sporting good uh, place and see Venture Wipes on the shelf. Yeah, and then go in and ask too, because that's always good. Hey, do you guys carry Venture Wipes? And they're like, no, we don't. And then you're like, okay. <laughs> and then someone will be like, what's Venture Wipes? We need to look into that. We got people asking. So that's there always go. good. Perfect. Well, well, Tom, I appreciate you hanging out with me. You're an awesome guest and I look forward to uh, playing with Venture Wipes myself. I look forward to the people that um, join the campaign at the platinum level, that they'll be receiving them as well. And I'll make sure that they uh, use them and then leave you some reviews. Reviews are really important in this digital space. So if you are purchasing Venture Wipes after you're done, let them know what you think about it. And again, Tom, thanks so much for hanging out with us. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Another great podcast in the books. Please take a second and give this episode a review as that is a huge help for me to be able to get the word out about it. And if you happen to know anyone that is either an inspiring digital nomad or is a digital nomad, please share it with them. Now, don't forget to head over to rootlessliving.com and grab a free digital copy of your Rootless Living magazine. And you know what? If you think you would make a good guest for this podcast or you know someone that would make a good guest for this podcast, have them reach out to us at podcast at rootlessliving.com. Again, that's podcast at rootlessliving.com. Until next week, stay rootless.